What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. How's it going? Going well, going well. I got some exciting stuff to talk about. We're we our, sure do. Got a very big moment with Mogan. A little bit of news happened <laughs> yeah. within the last week. A couple <laughs> releases. We'll get to that in a second. But in case you didn't know, Team Chat Podcast is a video game podcast where we talk about games. The ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those across podcast services around the World Wide Web, as well as watch a video version of each episode on YouTube and Twitch. Now, a word for people who may be listening to the audio version for the very first time, and they're like, this is great. This is great. I really love listening to their voices, but I want to see their faces. Well, that is what the video version (laughs) is, because it's not just an animated sound wave version that we have on YouTube. It's a legit, full-on video presentation as the people watching us on youtube and twitch can now see you see me staring directly at you the audience through the camera and you can do that audio <laughs> listener as well if you want to check that out if that's more your style but that's on youtube and twitch you can see a full list of everywhere you can listen and watch us over on teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen as well as an archive of all of our past episodes indeed that's the most important thing about it the archive yeah, the archive of is there greatness. i mean granted you could go back and watch listen to everything on the podcast services and everything. But yeah, if you want a really cool, easy to navigate directory, that's where you go. Teamchatpodcast.com. Also, you can find us as well as teamchatpodcast.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can join our discord server. Finally, if you are really loving the show, you're like, man, they're great. I really love their commentary, their (laughs) reviews, their insight. It's excellent. If you're really loving it and everything that we're doing, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where you can support the show and in return for your support, we will give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before the General Tuesday release and access to our private uh, channel on our Team Chat Podcast Discord that is specifically only for patrons. So the check that out. The gallery. Rogues Gallery. Rogues Gallery. <laughs> but anyway, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash Team Chat Podcast. Now, as I said, we've got some news. Yes. Let's get to that news. All right. So we'll start out with what's out now and coming soon. So as of this episode's air date on September 4th, uh, you will have Destiny 2 Forsaken for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Big update. Which, if you're a PS Plus member, this is all. So that would be the first Tuesday. Yeah. First Tuesday of September. PS Plus is giving away the base Destiny 2 game. Is it really? Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Huh. Which I'm assuming is a marketing push because it's on the same day yeah, of the Forsaken. That's now, a good idea. that doesn't mean you get the Forsaken for free. You just get the base game, and then you huh. still have to buy the expansion packs and the Forsaken, which is together is like 60 bucks. Oh, God. But, I mean, apparently Forsaken is like redoing a whole lot of Destiny 2. And I watched the trailer the other day, and I got to say, it kind of hooked me. You keep getting suckered into I know, this. And then I it do. keeps being underwhelming, But what if this bro? time it's great? But what if it's not? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to spend money. I did, though, go ahead and Mm-mm. download it on PS4, though. Because Mm-mm. I have it on Xbox, but nobody plays it on Xbox with me. So maybe PS4 if anybody wants to play with me. Also, God of War 3 is the other. Uh, God of War 3 Remastered is the other PS4. Oh. Okay, so gotcha. if you just finished up God of War 2018 and you're like, man, that was great. I really need more Kratos in my life. I want to understand a little bit more of his backstory. God of War 3 Remastered. Very nice. Very nice. And then also coming out today, we have Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age. I was going to say inclusive age, but it's elusive. My bad. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> that really could nice. Be a different game. <laughs> that could be a different everyone, game. this is great. Like, look at everyone <laughs> so being in harmony. The actual game is Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age for PS4 and PC out today, September 4th. And then coming very soon, we have Gone Home. Uh, 
coming to the Switch on September 6th. So that is a port, but Gone Home is coming to the Switch on September 6th. And then shortly after that, we have Immortal Unchained for PS4, Xbox One, and PC September 7th. NBA 2K19, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC September 7th. And NBA Live 19, PS4 and Xbox One September 7th. SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy for Switch and PS4 September 7th along with God this is a long list <laughs> alright along with Marvel's Spider-Man for oh, PS4 yes. people are very excited about that uh, Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4 September 7th Yokai Watch Blasters Red Cap Red Cat Core and White Dog Squad for the 3DS September 7th as well. Again, that last one is Yokai Watch Blasters, Red Cat Core and White Dog Squad for 3DS September 7th. Jesus. Video game makers have got to cut down on these names. This is getting <laughs> That's insane. That's how you got to stand out, though, is by this all is the crazy getting names. Ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And that's everything that's out now and coming soon. <laughs> Okay, well, aside from all of that news of the stuff that's coming out soon, we did get a load of news last Tuesday, the 28th, with Nintendo Direct, where it was all about a whole bunch of Nindies that were coming, a Nindie Direct, if you will, Indeed. that were coming to the Switch. So we're going to go through that, not the whole showcase. You can go to live.nintendo.com to watch the full showcase in its entirety if you missed it, but we're just going to go through some of our highlights of some of the games that we were the most excited about. It is about. formally called the Nindy Showcase. Nindy Showcase. Sir, Sorry. the Nindy Showcase. <laughs> I like Nindy Direct, personally. Well, that's too bad. You're not in charge. <laughs> you change character names all the time. <laughs> <laughs> to what you prefer. Why can't I change this? Kratos. Kratos. What's his son? Trevor. Yeah. Kratos and Trevor. No. Right, <laughs> Justin Atreus, in, always in and forever. Ways. So the Nindy Direct is, of course, Nintendo's uh, opportunity to showcase all of their indie titles that are either going to be exclusive to the Switch, or in this case it's the Switch, right. uh, exclusive to the Switch, or that are being ports from past games. So a lot of it was ports, and some of the top three that we saw that people are really excited to be coming to the Switch are Into the Breach, yes, a hit turn-based strategy game headed to Nintendo Switch. It is a uh, basically like a mech-style game. But I, I, I like describing it. Imagine that you're looking at a square, like a gridded square. Yeah. And their enemies dropped into individual grids. And the idea is that you have to plan out your strategy on how you're going to attack the enemy to protect a city. But the way that they showcase it, I had never seen this game before. I hadn't either. What I really liked about it was, A, the style of it. I think the styling is really cool and very interesting for an indie game. It honestly somewhat reminded me of, like, when I first saw it, because in the direct, it show, it pulled, or in the showcase, it pulled it up and it showed it first before it said what the name was, and I almost thought it kind of looked like old Advance Wars. Did you ever play oh, Advance Wars for the Game Boy Advance? Of course not. Are you kidding me? I didn't play Advance Wars. It, looked, it was <laughs> what fun. What I look like but it was you, like a, a history buff? No, it was like a tactical turn-based <laughs> Yes. Battle game. But it is like a tactical turn-based battle game. Uh, and the thing that really caught my eye is that um, it really showcased a lot of environmental damage. Did you catch on to that? Yeah, like if you like, damaged would, a dam, it would sweep away the enemies with the ensuing flood of water. Oh, I just saw the, yeah. the mech like punching one of the big bugs into yeah. a mountain and that yeah, killed and it. Yeah, like, and like the wall damage. It's like, wow, I guess they took a book out of, a page out of Doomfist's book. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so Into the Breach is eventually going to be coming to the Switch. And I don't know why I said eventually. It's out now, everybody. Yeah, it came out so as it, of a week ago. Yeah, they announced it on the uh, for release on the day of the Nindy Showcase. 
Space. So Into the Breach is now available on Switch. And it was uh, cre- uh, developed by Subset Games, who had also made FTL Faster Than Light previously. Oh, so and it come out. Show. This had come out er, before on in February 2018 for Windows, and so now it's it's coming to. Mac OS and Switch now. Awesome. And then another game that has been around for quite a while now, but that people love, it's an indie cult classic, Hyper Light Drifter Special Edition. Right. Is coming to the Switch in just a few days. It will be out on September the 6th. So if anybody hasn't a seen... Thursday. I know, right? It's a random day. It's a really oh, random day. Oh, well, that's day. because that's when the Switch usually drops all their, their indie titles. Every yeah. Day. All right, but it's coming out on Thursday, September the 6th. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter is an acclaimed action-adventure game where you can equip exclusive outfits for the Switch version along with some new uh, special weapons, and the new outfits help you do things that are unique to the Switch version of the game. Nice. Uh, it will be very, very, very similar. It's basically it's the same game right. uh, on Switch which you're just getting a little bit more for your uh, more bang for your buck per se. And just so you, everyone knows that we are getting some of the information, more of the information on this game, uh, the full rundown we're looking at from Nintendo everything.com. So you Indeed. can see that. Thank you. Nintendo uh, just everything. Wanted, again, credit where credit's due. Uh, so yeah, that one looks, I've heard a lot about that game. And again, this is the thing where I have to put aside my, your snobbery. Yeah. I mean, I mm. guess that's really the only mm, way to put that's it. That's all it is. Just cold, hard snobbery. It's like, I understand <laughs> that the, the and, and again, this is just my own thing. And I, and I understand like, it's a no meaning. It's no like a knock against the game. Like people love the game. People say the game is great for me personally. It's mm-hmm. harder for me to sometimes overlook the art style. And mm-hmm. I know that's just because of the, you know, what was due to the, what was available to the developers. So I'm not saying it's not good, but I am interested in playing it. Well, I think that you, if like, if you really, it's really interesting. You should absolutely play it. And have when you it played comes, it yet? Uh, I have played it on Steam before, oh, okay. I believe. Because, okay. yeah, it came out in 2016 yeah. originally. The problem, of course, is that I can't play games for very long on my laptop Without because it, exploding. It, it overheats in an instant. So I, I feel like I get really excited about Steam games, and then I try to play them, and my computer's like, oh, bitch, you thought. <laughs> and I'm like, well, goddammit. So do you think I would like it then? I don't know, honestly. Ah. Uh, I mean, how... It, it, well, you did really like Transistor and Bastion. I did. So, you might. Yeah. Those, though, to be fair, pretty art style. But okay. Yeah, okay. That, I know that's just, that's just me, though. That's just me, though. That's like a one of those little, like, hang-ups. Like, the 8-bit, 16-bit style graphics are like they're harder it's harder for me to overlook that when I'm playing when I'm playing a game. Well, That's just me. In speaking of Bastion But and I will say though that there are um that again there are can't think of the word that I'm trying to say. Exceptions. Thank you. Oh, gotcha. uh, or that's what I was trying trying to say. W- because I do really love um Hotline Miami and Hotline Miami 2, which well, are then, also, bruh, I know, I'm, so I'm probably programmed. like it. It's just the one thing, it's just, I, I I thought it actually had a different art style completely, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh, that, really? Okay. But, you know, so I'll give it a shot, I will I say. I think you should. I think I will like it, because it is, also, like the main character, he uses a sword. I'm all he about does. swords. It's basically a little lightsaber. Boom. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, you sold me. Yeah, that's, that's all, all you had, I had to, say. to say. Didn't you know it's secretly a Star Wars game? We just spent Jared? all this time talking about it. That's Hashtag all you had to say. true facts. <laughs> and speaking of Bastion and Transistor, uh, we must oh have willed this into being with so our excited. collective conscience. Uh, so Bastion is coming to the Switch on September 13th, very soon. If any of you haven't oh, seen I it before. Oh, I missed that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's coming out like so soon. So Bastion is 
is hitting on September 13th, yes. whereas Transistor is coming in November. We're not quite yet sure what day, uh, but those are both coming out rapid succession. I cheered so loud. I could imagine. When I saw that those games were coming, Bastion especially. Transistor, I'm still playing through on the PS4, but Bastion is one I've... I've Scream from the rooftops how much I love that game and how much everyone needs to play. Have you played it yet? I haven't played it yet. Good so God. This is something I was thinking. I actually find it really uh, interesting because Bastion and Transistor are both from the same developer. Supergiant. I thought it would be a good idea for them to package them together. Surprised as like they a didn't. Double pack. And I am surprised that they didn't. So I'm very surprised that they're not coming out on the same day. And I'm a little bit more surprised that I feel like it's a missed opportunity to bundle those two games together. Yeah. Maybe they'll do something like that in the future for like a holiday holiday sale or something like that. Because I want to say, maybe I'm making it up, but I'm pretty sure, since I got a laptop here, handy-dandy laptop, I'm pretty sure that you can buy Bastion Transistor Empire as like a bundle on PS4. And you definitely can on Steam, I believe. Like, Steam is all about them bundles. Yeah. Yeah, Supergiant Collection yeah. on Steam. So you can do that there. Um, well, maybe it's because that one includes Pyre, and Pyre isn't on the Switch yet. Yeah, but I mean, but if they're because, doing the other two. Yeah, if they're doing uh, these other games, Pyre is almost certainly Which going to come to the hopefully Switch. Hopefully, it eventually. doesn't take this long yeah. for Pyre to come to the Switch, because Pyre would be an excellent game on the Switch. They're probably just still working on it. Yeah, I bet it'll yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it will, too. But no, if you haven't played those games, I'm going to say it one more time. Supergiant makes some badass games, and you need to play it. Demerits against Mogan for having not played any of their games yet, even though I've said. <laughs> Am I so getting many a times, citation? Are yes. you going to write me up? Yes. <laughs> a pink card, wait, red card. I said on our on our Discord, everybody who has a Switch, if they don't get it, I'm going to just spam our pitch torch emoji twenty four seven until everyone buys and gives in. Fuchsia already told me no, but so well, it's like okay, I'll 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 say everyone except for Fuchsia. I'll just message okay, gotcha. everybody, be like at, at everyone at minus Mogan. Fuchsia. There you go. Pitch Torch. Have you bought Switch? Have you bought it yet? Pitch Torch. Well, anyways, moving right along. Do you want to cover the next one, good sir? Treasure Stack. <laughs> it just looked. Oh, sorry. Towerfall. Okay, so Towerfall is a is another game that came out. This one actually, I looked. I was looking back at it. I remember when this one came, but I remember hearing about it when it came out. This one came out in 2013. I was thinking that it was old. It's an older one. So it includes uh, some. It includes the older versions of the game and everything. But anyway, it repackaged it again for the Switch. One of the big things of it is that it's also got like it's a big multiplayer game that you can play with each other. Uh, one of the big version things, though, about this one is that it adds Madeline from Celeste and her alter ego, Madeline. Do you mean Madeline and Battleline? Sure. <laughs> it looks I'm like just Madeline. Kidding. It's probably either. Is that really how you pronounce that name? I look at that and say Madeline. I say Madeline. You're crazy. Did you play the Madeline games? Like the, you know, the young French girl? No, with but the... I watched the show. See, that's why. Huh. Did they call her Madeline in the games? No, she was Madeline in the games. I just played. I don't know why I played those games. My sister had it. I guess. Anyways, the point is, so anyway, you can play, you can play as, as them. You can play Celeste. as Madeline and Madeline from Celeste, or so Madeline and Madeline, or Madeline and Madeline. You know what? Maybe it's Madeline and Madeline. See, and here's the thing, though. <laughs> Unless the developers specifically say it, you know, in like a making a video or interview or something like that, like it's a text based. They adventure. probably already did. They probably did. I'm going to ask Bro Mogan. He's played it. Bro Mogan, right. tell us. Anyway, so, anyway, so you can play that now. <laughs> so Towerfall coming is coming out on the Switch September 27th and is currently available for pre-order. 
Uh, so the other ones I wasn't like treasure stack. That just looked like fancy Tetris. Meh. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't too interested in that one either. Uh, but the, this other one though that you were excited about. Oh my god, I'm really which I'm excited. wanting to get Sam to watch the trailer for because I think she would be excited about this too. But Minico's Night Market. Yes. So Minico's Night Market. It's going to be. I don't know exactly what the entire game is going to be like but i did watch the entire trailer Uh, it's going to be at least 20 hours of story-based gameplay which i thought that that was interesting that they focused on the 20 hours like even in the trailer i guess it makes sense because a lot of indie games are are very short yeah they're usually like the eight to ten yeah so an indie game uh lifespan that is probably a little bit on the longer side but it's story-based gameplay including four regions to explore diverse villagers to meet interesting quests to undertake and activities like sewing and woodworking. Yay! Now, here's the big question, though. Because, obviously, it had, like, cats were a huge feature. Are you... It looked like you were growing the cats from the garden. Uh, I don't know if that is the case. Uh, but anyway, so the point is, as far as the activities like sewing and woodworking go, you're doing that to make things to sell at your stall in the night market. Okay. So it seems like this game might be a bit of a fusion between reality and like a magical night world. Because I think that the... I think Minako like goes to this magical night world. Because it looked like you were hiding from enemies. And there was some kind of like... At this one point, it showed her like hiding behind a rock and like like sweat, nervous sweating and yeah. stuff like that. As these other people were... Looked like police or something like that were, were walking around tr- looking like they were trying to find her so it's so yeah it's like what what happened did she and break th- the law well I don't know about that but I think one of the key uh, cornerstone story points of it is that you're kind of also looking for uh, a cat god named Abe like he's this big giant kitty that walks around and there's a bunch of other kitties all over the place so and I'm cats. just like wow I don't care what this game is about I'm definitely kidding so when it started the trailer started and it showed all the cats I thought it was that game that you've been playing on your phone, uh, Nino Katsume. <laughs> I thought it was that. Nekotsume, you uncultured swine. You've only talked about it like a couple times. I was going off the information I had in my mind. But anyway, so like I thought it was that. And then it showed it was different. And I was like, oh, okay. But still, lots well, of cats, lots of dogs. And there's not a formal release date yet, but it is slated for early 2019. So hopefully January, February. Those are all the big ones that I think I really had. But um, what are your thoughts on Untitled Goose Game? I love. I, I, love I the could take it. I could just. Nah, I don't care. Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> I love its imagination, though. So, Untitled Goose Game uh, allows you to play as a goose, and you are basically the just, goose is loose. The goose is loose, and your job as goose is to go around town and basically just make people's lives worse. Like yeah. your whole point is that you're going to steal sandwiches, get into people's gardens, and mess stuff up. And I'm like, I appreciate, I appreciate your endeavors, Mister or Mrs. Goose. And that one is also slated for early 2019. Not going to lie, I might pick that one up. I think it looks delightfully absurd. That would be, uh, I'd be interested to hear about it, but I have zero interest. Good old goose game. <laughs> All right, so the rest of the games that were announced coming out uh, were, uh, we talked about Treasure Stack, uh, Zarvat, Charcoal and Mustard. Oh, Zarvat is the game. Charcoal and Mustard are the stars of the game. I thought that was the full title. Zarvat, Samurai Gun 2, Bullet Age, The World Next Door, Levelhead, King of the Hat, and then also The Messenger, Wasteland 2, Director's Cut, Undertale. Oh, Undertale. Yeah, Undertale, September 18th. Uh, Light Fingers, Super Brothers, Sword and Sorcery EP, Jackbox, Party Pack 5, uh, Desert Child, and Dragon Marked for Death. Boom. There All you right. have it. Awesome. Tons of Nindy games. Yep. Lots of to stuff to look forward to. But on to the main thing. So we're not just going to focus all on those Indies. We do have a nice, piping hot, fresh review. 
for everyone today. Well, we're calling it fresh, but the truth is that it's been approximately, uh, let me check my watch here, uh, almost one year <laughs> since I technically started. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. So um, for reasons that, so actually I'll tell you exactly why. So okay. you may recall that from last October, we were about to do our Halloween episode. Yes. And I had picked out The Vanishing of Ethan Carter as the ga- as one of the games that I was going to play and showcase for the Halloween episode circa 2017. Yes. So here's the thing. I made it quite far in Vanishing of Ethan Carter. I think I made it just far enough to be able to do a first impressions episode back when we have initially recorded. And then I went back and continued to play because I was very interested and I really wanted to finish it. Here's the thing, though. I got to what I now know is about four-fifths of the way through and got to the first part of the game that I would actually describe as scary, and I shit you not, I got to a point that had one of the game's only jump scares, and I was kind of so rattled by it that I was like, you know, I think it's time for me to stop. So you're not going to finish it? <laughs> no, 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 I stopped at that time. Oh, okay. So it, yeah. like, it scared me bad oh, enough that I was like, okay, you know then. what, I'm going to stop. And I was also stuck. Uh, so I realized that I was doing something wrong. I was like, wow, I think I'm definitely doing something wrong. I don't know how to actually solve this puzzle. So I segued off to another section that I really wasn't far enough in the story to get to. So I know I was doing something wrong at the time. But a jump scare happened. And then I was like, nope, Done. forget it. Forget it. You were playing it probably like <laughs> yeah, at night. It was a nighttime. Yeah, I had, had like a couple of glasses of wine. And I was like, too More susceptible to I the scares. I can't do it. So I totally gave up like a coward (laughs) like and it's not even a scary game that's the thing it's like really not scary yeah so i just i i don't know i i really failed on that account but uh bro mogan has played and finished the vanishing of ethan carter and it was on brandon's list Mm -hmm. of the games that he i think it made his top 20 Yeah, I believe so. Uh, So I was like, you know, I really got to go back and finish that game. So I went back uh, very recently. It would be about a week by now since I officially finished The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Look at you finishing a game. Applause. I know. And actually, part of the reason I also did that is because Jarrett here finished like three games in a week. Set a record for myself. And I was like, wow, I really got to get the lead out. And I'm about to finish another one, Guacamelee 2. Stop. <laughs> you got to get on my level. I know, I got to get on somebody's level. I'm like... I don't know where I was going with that. Well, you're, you've always been a better finisher. Yes. Like, I am really bad about getting this close to the end of a game, and then because I'm so emotionally attached, I don't want it to fit to end, that I'm like, that's a good place to stop. That I, makes no sense in my I head. I do that a lot. Like, I know it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but there's a part of my mind that is like, oh man, if you finish the game, the adventure is over forever. I mean, I get dragging and, it out. I, like, I did that with God of War. I did that with yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. That's why I normally platinum these games. Indeed. Uh, the problem is that I don't have quite the same commitment level and my uh, extreme emotional distress at the idea of finishing a game. I do it with books. I do it with movies. I do, like, How do you I do, do anything? Sheer willpower. Occasionally. Like, one eighth of the time i'll, that's I'll like, manage to power you could apply through. that same that same thinking to like a meal you're enjoying well like no, this is the I, best I, I, burger I I've, my, I've, I've had no, i finished all my i can't food. eat this don't, last don't be bite. ridiculous uh, anyway so the point is uh to give a quick i do have a lot more thoughts and feelings now okay. uh, that i finished the game and not all of them are good i will say so since then 
So that was our last October. I'll put a card on the video thing and a link in, our, in the description for the audio listeners who want to go back and listen to that one. But why don't we, be, I guess, begin then with a quick recap kind of. Yes, that's what I'm going okay, to do. Okay, cool. So just to briefly recap kind of my initial thoughts and feelings that are spoiler free. So the whole premise of the game, and this is just very early game stuff, you don't have to be afraid of hearing this, is you start the game coming out of, I believe it's a train tunnel, mm-hmm. and you're walking into a town that I think is called Red River Valley. I might be wrong about that. I for, I forgot a lot of the details because I picked up right where I left off and kind of like glossed over a bunch of the past stuff. And see, so, at that point, I'd be running to start over. Like, no, I didn't. I was like, if I start over, I'm never going to finish. I just have to power through. Oh, uh, so the point is, uh, I think you, that you are Inspector Prospero, I believe is your that name. That sounds very... You can, you can fact, fact check, check me on you that, on but I think I'm right. Just so you are playing uh, basically a PI. You're a private investigator. Your name is Detective Prospero. You're coming into this town because you have received a letter from a boy named Ethan Carter. And in the letter, he describes uh, a, a dire situation. He's in terrible distress and he needs your help. So you're, and you are essentially a paranormal investigator of sorts. Maybe not paranormal is the right word. You're kind of like, that's what the Wikipedia article oh, describes. Okay, gotcha. Well, all right. I was going to say that he was more like a spiritual slash psychic detective because he's got some really interesting powers that manifest in the game is very interesting gameplay mechanics. So this is all uh, like right off the bat, you're starting to learn this stuff. First of all, mechanically, the game is very simple. Mm -hmm. You really only use a handful of your buttons to interface with the game. Those would primarily be square, I think is like your investigate button. Basically, square is your action button. Mm -hmm. There's no jump, there's no real run, there's just walk and maybe walk faster. And that's about all you can do. Okay. So you can look around, you can investigate things using your action buttons, but that's about it. Uh, in terms of actual dialogue, you do get some really nice voice acting from the various cast, including Inspector Prospero, but he never actually talks to anyone. He's more like overhearing or seeing events. Yeah. There's no actual dialogue between him and any other character. It's just you getting basically his internal monologue. And the way that they do it is really nice and kind of film noir. Because it's like he's this hard-boiled inspector and he's giving you the gist of what he's doing. And he kind of sounds both sympathetic and like toughened to the world. So he's not necessarily... uh, I can't think of any examples from the 20s and 30s, but I'm sure that somebody could, perhaps. Like a Humphrey Bogart character? Yes, he's not like that guy. That's exactly okay. what I was trying to say. I just couldn't remember his name. Good job, Jared. Thank you. <laughs> so he's not quite like that. He's a little bit more soft, you might say. He has a little bit more uh, compassion towards the world. Uh, but you immediately start off investigating where Ethan is. And the way that you do that is by finding stories that Ethan has left behind, maybe not for you, but that he's just left everywhere for other people. Mm -hmm. So a prime example of this is in the very first section of the game, when you come out of the train tunnel, you're in kind of a wooded area. And first and foremost, the game is beautiful. I played the version on PS4. It's very inexpensive on PS4. You can get it on sale like very frequently for less than $15 easily. I definitely think that's a good price point for price point for this game too. So you go through and when you find uh, clues essentially, what you're really trying to do is put together the pieces of a particular story point. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I find uh, a dead body, for example. I found a dead body and when I look at it and focus on it using Pro- Inspector Prospero's psychic powers, it's kind of like a portal opens up around it. 
like a field of vision opens up around the event or the body in question. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I can't quite expand my field of view all the way out. I don't have enough information. So that's where the whole idea of finding clues comes into. So if you're trying to investigate A, then you kind of have to branch out into the environment and find B, C, D, and E, Mm -hmm. parts of that story, and then come back to the main point, expand the field of view out entirely, and it will then frequently do this thing where you essentially reenact a scene because let's say that... um, your dead. I'm using very vague. Oh God. Yeah, I'm using really vague stuff. Let's say that I found your dead body on the ground and your head has been chopped off. And I'm like, wow, he died really violently. I got to figure out what the events leading up to this were. So let's say that uh, when I expand my field of vision, the whole world goes kind of ghostly and blue. And up from your dead body, five like spirit points basically come up and they kind of expand out into the world. And if you follow them, they will manifest into ghostly reenactments of what happened. Interesting. So for example, at point one, I might see you and the culprit in question, but you're just standing next to each other. You just look like you're chilling. But then I go on to the next point, and it's like, oh, he's just pulled a knife from behind his back, and he's sneaking up on Jared. Oh, no. And then at point three, there's a struggle, and he's actively trying to kill you. At point four, your head is gone. Well, and then damn. at point five, he like kicks your body into a ravine or something. <laughs> and that's where I found you, your dead body here in this ravine. And that's just a made-up example just to demonstrate how the game functions. Mm-hmm. So when I find all of the points of action, I then have to put them in order. And I say, okay, I think that's number one, that's number two, three, four, and five. I lost my head first. And if you, Exactly. And if you get them wrong, there's no penalty. It's just like, no, you got that wrong. You have to, you have to redo it. Restart. Uh, And if I get them right, the entire scene will play out in order, like in real time. It'll basically give me a flashback of what that event was. Will it still be like in that ghostly blue or will it be like a full, like a cutscene? No, usually when you're done with the ghostly blue and you've succeeded, it'll show you the full cutscene. Okay. Uh, So that's exactly how the game tells you its overarching story. And this is done to very interesting effect. So essentially, you're just going around to different parts of the map. You typically find a letter or a story from Ethan that is attached to an event. You investigate the event, you put the event together, and then you've got your next point of of interest. Mm -hmm. So the game is not exactly linear, but there is a very natural environmental progression to it. So let's say, for example, that I come out of Red River Valley's train station and I go into this very ghostly and tiny, tiny town that is Red River Valley. Uh, Technically, I could probably go a couple of different ways, but depending on how far I've progressed in other stories, a way might be blocked or I might not be able to very easily get to it. So the game does kind of want you to naturally follow a certain progression. Mm -hmm. So... The kind of this is where things are going to get really spoilery. So that's the game and a gist. Uh, okay. uh, so spoilers. Yes. So in so alert. Quick spoilers. I, I'll give a real quick recap um, with no spoilers. So I think the game is fantastic. The mechanics are very solid. It's a beautiful game. It is older and it is kind of more like an indie game. It's Isn't short. It like twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think it's twenty fourteen. 
It's not super old, but it's definitely 1314, I think, around oh, there. called it. 2014. Oh, nice. Good job. Who's the uh, developer? I forget. Uh, the developer is the astronauts. The uh, Of course. I just watched the... Oh, they're Polish. I remember. Because oh, yeah. When I, I can tell looking, from the names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because when I finally finished the game and all the credits came up, I was like, wow, this game was definitely made by the Polish. So this is... I don't know what it is. making some good games Poland lately. is making some great games, man. Dude, who would have thought that Poland would emerge just like a, a scion of good video games. Another thing that we forgot to talk about earlier, moment with Mogan, because we're gonna, we're hopefully gonna develop and flesh uh, this out a little yes. bit more when we talk, when we have a time to talk about it. Uh, but Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven gameplay, holy crap, everybody! Yeah. Forty eight solid crap. minutes of gameplay. It looks so damn. Good. We're gonna, so excited. Yeah, we're going to anyway, talk about it later. We'll circle back to that another so, time. So, Poland, right? Am I right? Anyways, oh, yeah. so. Uh, I want to go there. <laughs> I know. I don't think it'll be quite like the video games, but we can imagine. I mean, just go meet with all the people. Sometime, if you ever wanted to, you should like go, you should watch uh, No Clips documentary series that they have on like the making of the witcher and that Danny O'Dwyer oh. does like a ton of interviews and stuff with the development team that, over at CD Projekt really Red. interesting. Oh, yeah. I've watched, nice. I've watched as much as I can without getting into the parts that might have spoilery stuff for Witcher 3, but it's, right. uh, which I actually have kind of started playing again. Good. Anyway, Anyways, all these side roads. That you need to finish. Yeah. All right, so the point is, um, I think Vanishing of Ethan Carter is a great game, especially for fans of the horror genre that are not into extreme violence, extreme gore, or extreme jump scares. So a lot of horror games are very focused on blood, guts, mm-hmm. horrendous mm-hmm. monsters, a lot of anxiety. And that's a really, I mean, obviously that's the whole point of a lot of horror games. But if you're a fan of the horror genre and the horror atmosphere, kind of like a slow burn atmosphere, Vanishing of Ethan Carter is great for you. Uh, if I had just toughened up a little teeny tiny bit, I wouldn't have been so affected by that one jump scare I ran into. I really do, pr- I promise, there's really only one. Okay. There's pretty much only one jump scare, and once you get over it, you're fine. That's that's literally just, tap, just, yeah, you just give yourself a hug. You like, just ha- okay. Yeah, you just have to like pat yourself it. on the back, maybe like light a candle for a little bit Pour of another glass of wine, and then just the power through. Alcohol drinking age. Exactly. Yeah, as long as you're, what is it, 18 in America? It's no. It's 21. It's 21, 21. everybody. Uh, <laughs> we know so, the loss. <laughs> the point is, uh, I think it's a really good short game that is perfection for fall and Halloween. Excellent. Especially for people that live that time. in places that actually get cold. Uh, that doesn't happen to us here. But if for like a week, Yeah, we like cold. to pretend. We like to pretend that it's cold. Uh, so that's my, in a nutshell, great game, low price point, short, perfect for fall and Halloween. Cool. Would recommend, first of all. I want to make that very clear. I absolutely would recommend this game. 85 out of 100. Nice. Uh, I would make that a little bit higher, except for some of the stuff we're going to talk about that happens at the very end of the game. So this is where things are going to get real spoilery. Okay, so for now, yes. real spoilers Real spoilery. Don't listen if you still want to finish the game. Uh, so the whole premise of Ethan Carter is that you are, of course, pursuing Ethan. You're trying to find the clues to eventually find him. So one of the very first events that happens in the game is you do, in fact, find a dead body, exactly like I just described. It's a guy with no legs, and he's definitely dead because he got ran over by a trolley car. And the person who put the trolley car into motion was Ethan's own grandfather. So the character set is Ethan, his mother, his father, his grandfather, 
his older brother, and I think like a, 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 a fifth guy or like a sixth guy who might be one of his uncles. So a family affair. I, I, yeah, it's a family affair. I'm actually not quite sure if the final guy is one of his family members. If it is, it's not an immediate family. Okay. It's like an uncle or a family friend or something. He was the worst character, so I didn't bother to look <laughs> at him that much. I was like, yeah, you deserve to die, buddy. Uh, so you pretty quickly find out that something very strange is going on in Red River Valley. Because when you put together the initial scene, what you realize is that the grandfather had to kill, I think it's either your father or the family friend is one of the first ones to be killed. Uh, He had to do it because the guy was trying to kill Ethan actively. Like he was like, I'm definitely going to kill Ethan. Mm. Because the family, basically all of the members of this tiny, tiny town, which is really just the family, believe that Ethan woke up the sleeper. So you later find out through future cutscenes and through future puzzles that Ethan found a room in a house that had been locked off. It was like the old Vandergriff mansion or something like that. And he found a room in this house that nobody else had found because it was like some sort of uh, metaphysical spatial distortion hidden by magic and mm-hmm. crap. And the old Vandergriff dude, I think was his name, uh, apparently was like kind of a necromancer sort of, or like a Ooh. dark sorcerer or something like that. And he was trying trying to resurrect somebody called the sleeper and the whole thing of the vanishing of Ethan Carter that you catch on to very quickly. If you're a fan of the genre is it is very Lovecraftian like and you do love yeah, yourself actually, some Lovecraft. Yeah, I love me some Lovecraft. So the whole thing about the sleeper is that it's basically alluded that the sleeper is one of the old gods. They talk about it being like this evil thing from ancient times, all this uh, very ambiguous stuff, but mm-hmm. you get the feeling that the sleeper is some sort of presence or some sort of being that manages to influence people from beyond its veil, from beyond wherever it's trapped in. So the sleeper is trying to wake up, is what the possessed people keep saying. So the gist is that the sleeper, who was supposedly awoken, or at least partially awoken by Ethan when he found this room, is trying to fully wake up and bring itself back into the world. For the purpose of, I don't know, world domination or destruction. It's Mm -hmm. very, very vague. But to do that, it is corrupting Ethan's family members. It is poisoning their minds. It is making them think, we have to kill Ethan. It's what the sleeper wants. The sleeper wants him. And they keep saying phrases like that. And one of the final holdouts against this uh, mental poison is, of course, Ethan himself Mm -hmm. and Ethan's grandfather, who is a very sympathetic character. Uh, unfortunately, Ethan's mother, his dad, his family friend or whatever his name is, and his brother are all like super murderers. That they definitely want to kill Ethan. That's awkward at family Yeah, it's bad news. Uh, so essentially, you play through all of these various scenes and you complete some really interesting puzzles to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the primary ones is in a mansion. I've, it took me a while to actually figure out what the game wanted me to do, which is a great puzzle game because I was like, I have no freaking idea and how to do this. And game. I love a good puzzle. I finally figured out that you use your action button to switch the view in a door. So let's say that I'm looking through this door, right? Okay. I should be seeing a closet. What if I don't? What if I see a kitchen on the other side? That's the wrong view. So I have to switch the view between a couple of different rooms 
to match it to the right one. And when I do, I can progress to the next room, find the next door, match it up to its correct thing, so on and so forth. Interesting. And once you had completed the whole house by basically putting the right portals to the right doors, you solve the puzzle. That was one of my favorite ones because it was really not fully explained what you were trying to do. Yeah. And I love that. I loved the amount of brain power that I had to use to finish it. Uh, and that, of course, completed part of the story and you move on. Some of the other more notable ones would be, and this is the one I got stuck on, so uh, this would be about four out of five, about the fourth event that you were meant to complete before the end of the game. Uh, you go into this mine. So you've been following Ethan's clues. You've been following the trail. Uh, more of the ma- family members are definitely dead by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you eventually find uh, basically a scene between Ethan's... You know, it's gotta be, his father is still alive at this point because you find a scene in the mine between Ethan's father and his mother. And Ethan's father is an interesting character because he's clearly the weaker member of the family. Like, everybody else kind of talks down to him. His wife really emasculates him. He's clearly not in charge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his wife is, like, portrayed as being a very strong woman, like, kind of gruff and burly almost. And she's like, well, we're going to kill Ethan, all right. And he's like, I don't think that's necessary, honey. Yeah, he's like, I don't think we should do that and she's like no we have to he woke up the sleeper so it's this very interesting scene once you do eventually put it together where you realize that ethan's father killed his mother by drowning her in an elevator because the elevator is supposed to go up oh you're in a mine yeah you're in a mine so there's this there's this old mineshaft elevator and the mother is going to ascend up into it because she believes that ethan is up there they heard a noise she's gonna go kill him definitely Mm mm-hmm She gets into the elevator, the father doesn't, and he breaks the elevator and puts it down below the mine into rushing water instead and drowns her in an elevator. And I was like, holy fuck, that's actually like really dark, man. But that's the point that I was stuck at because I didn't realize that in order to do something very specific, you needed to activate an old mine cart blast through some rocks, I realized I just didn't have enough force. Mm -hmm. I wasn't backing up enough to punch it to bust through these rocks. I and hate it on like a puzzle thing like that. That's the point that I was stuck on thing. because I just didn't realize that that's what it wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I did cheat because I was like, I'm still stuck. Like I picked up the game yeah. and I was still stuck. I still didn't realize what I needed to do. I read just enough into that chapter to be like, oh yeah, back up and punch it. And I was like, oh my God, of course. So I backed up, punched it. You can go around the tracks and go further down the tunnels of the mine where it was previously be- very, very dark, where I had gone before without the light of the train tracks. So there was actually a pickaxe further down the mine that you cannot see unless you have the light of the mine cart. So I was like, oh, okay, because you need the pickaxe to put together the final part of the scene of the mother's death, because you find her body, of course, in the elevator. Uh, So I finally finished that part. I got the scene, and I was like, okay, now I can move on. So the point that I had tried to do previously that I I wasn't just equipped enough to be able to do it is way down the tunnels of the mine. If you don't have the light, you can still walk down there. It's just pitch dark. And eventually I found a side corridor that had some light in it. So I was like, oh, this is clearly where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So I went down there. 
uh, and ran into what is the game's next puzzle for the mine. Uh, it's a maze. It's basically a maze puzzle. And you are trying to find the bodies of, I think, five deceased miners who were actually like in a cult. And their cult was trying to resurrect some sort of horrible water demon or something like that. Uh, and one of the miners was like, hey guys, I don't think we should do this. Uh, and the point is, they're all dead. I don't know right. what the entire premise was, but they're all dead. And you have to find all their bodies to release their souls to, to reenact the opening of the gate, which is what their cult was trying to do. And that's how you get to that point of the end of Ethan's story. So that's the story that he wrote for that portion of the mine, right? Mm -hmm. So I did not get any of that because the minute I walked into the maze, I ran into the miner. The miner is a horrific creature. It's like this mutant. It almost looks like something out of Resident Evil. Yeah. Uh, he like has a lantern and like a pickaxe. And if you run into him and he sees you, he disappears. And you're like, oh, shit, where'd he go? <laughs> and then the, he'll jump scare you. Oh, and that's the he'll one that come, got you. Like, he'll reappear right in front of your face oh, with this horrible, horrible mutant face. Oh, God. And he makes a terrible noise, and you're like... <laughs> no, yeah, I totally yeah. understand. Oh, my God, I was so scared. So if you run into the miner, he teleports you back to the beginning of the maze. You don't really die. Well, you, oh, okay. You clearly do, but it forces you back to the beginning of the maze, and you have to try again. I didn't get any of that, because that's the point at where I quit. I was like, forget it! This game. <laughs> so that's where I picked back up. So I realized that I had to use the minecart to get through the rocks, to get the pickaxe, to finish the scene, to then go down into the mine and just avoid the miner. That's all you have to do because mm -hmm. I realized I went down in there and I was like, okay. Oh my god, he's like definitely down here still. I was like really scared. He didn't leave. I was like, he's, he's not asleep. I was either. like, I don't think. Yeah, I think he's definitely still down here. And like, I, I was going through the mine and going and going, and I had found like three bodies, and I, I hadn't run into the miner yet, and I was like, maybe when I solved the puzzle, it got rid of the miner. It didn't. Oh. So, but what I realized is I saw, like I was just going down one of the tunnels looking for the next body, thinking I was safe, right? Because mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely fine now. He's not, he's not here. And I heard a creaking noise uh -oh. and saw a light from down one of the corners of the maze. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I just ran. I ran like a coward. Yeah. I turned around and ran away. And he didn't come after me. So that's the puzzle. You have to just avoid the miner. You just you just run away from him. Like when you hear him around the corner, you just run away. Yeah. And I was like, that's my kind of mechanic game. I would much rather, because you can't fight. You don't have weapons. You don't have any way to do that. Uh, so you just run away from him, keep finding all five of the bodies, and then you eventually follow their souls to reenact this part of the gate. Did not get to any of that the first time around. This was all brand new information to me. And I was like, wow. Really wished I had tried just a little bit harder yeah. at that part because I probably would have eventually figured it out. But I was so scared and I was so frustrated with the puzzle because I couldn't figure out what I was missing or what I was doing wrong mm -hmm. that I had given up. So you get through the mine finally and you reenact one of the like penultimate scenes, uh, realize that Ethan's grandfather is still alive. Ethan is still on the run. Uh, one of the very last members of his family that is still alive is his brother. His brother murders his father, and then his brother gets murdered in turn? What happens to his brother? He's definitely dead, mm. but I forget how he died. Well, it's probably... Oh, wait, he burned to death. That's oh, no. right. Yeah. <laughs> toasty. <laughs> and toasty. Uh, so 
this is nearing the very end of the game. So you get to some of the very last scenes of the game. As Inspector Prospero, you come across the burned out ruin of a mansion. And you're like, oh, this is the mansion where Ethan found the room, supposedly, because it's the old Vandergriff mansion. Mm -hmm. Also, I might have that name wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It could, check. It could be the Gryffindor mansion. It's I'm Gryffindor. not sure. It had Griff somewhere in there. So you, this is pretty pretty much the last puzzle. You go into the mansion, you complete one of the final puzzles to go down into the basement of the burned out mansion, which is still partially intact. One of the saddest scenes of the game, you come across the curled up fetal position, uh, burnt to a crisp body of the grandfather. No. And you're like, no. So you basically touch his body, you just have to find a couple of clues, it's really not even a puzzle, and then you realize that in an effort to help Ethan escape, he accidentally got caught in this blazing inferno, and he was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to accept my death. So he just sat down in the fire and like kind of willfully died. And I was like, no, Grandpa, you were the only one still holding out. So at this point, everyone is dead except Ethan. Kay. You're in the basement of this mansion. Is it the Vandergriff mansion? Uh, Vandergriff, yeah. Oh, you're right. sweet. All right. We're going to call it the Gryffindor mansion now. Oh, <laughs> anyway, so you go into the last room of the basement of the mansion and this is where the game kind of lost me because I realized what it was now. Uh, well, I had realized it further, but I'm going to complain about that in a second. Uh, you get into this final room, turn the corner and find a mattress on the floor with Ethan on it. He's definitely dead. Well, it doesn't look like he's dead at first, but you were like, I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's dead. Uh, so you... If you have already completed all five of the game's primary puzzles, which are related to Ethan's stories, mm -hmm. then on the wall is a mural, kind of drawn in chalk, like a child's mural, and it's essentially a map of the town, and it's got X's on it for each of the puzzles that you've completed. It's like, yeah, you did that one, that one, that one, and that one, and they've all got their own unique icons. And then down where you currently are in the mansion, you see kind of the image of like an old-timey inspector. And you're like, oh no, I think that's me. Mm -hmm. And if you click on yourself, the game goes into end mode, and it is essentially revealed that Ethan is in fact dead, but in reality... He got trapped in the bottom of a house where he was just hanging out. He was just writing his stories. His family was there. His family isn't possessed by any demons or anything. They're just a regular dysfunctional family. They're, they definitely have their problems, but they're not possessed by devils. They came to find him because it was dinner time. A lantern gets knocked over by accident. The house immediately starts going up in flames. Ethan is trapped because he's still in the basement. He closes the door, lays down on the mattress, and basically starts dying from the, from the smoke. Mm -hmm. uh, and the entire game has been his mental and spiritual coming to terms with his own death. So you, the character of Inspector Prospero, you're totally made up. You're a fictional character that Ethan wrote for himself, basically in his dying moments. So what you've really been doing this entire time in the game is playing through kind of a flash, you know, life before uh, before your eyes kind of thing, yeah. where Ethan is just having these rapid-fire thoughts, and he's basically imagining his last story. And then you get this really, it's a very well-done um, kind of conversation between Inspector Prospero and Ethan, and he's like, yeah, you can let go now, kid. And he's like, 
cool. Peace out, bro. He yeah. doesn't say it that way, but he's like, all right, I'll, I'll go into the light. So Ethan just like dies. And the game just zooms out in this really well done slow-mo zoom out. The world is frozen. And it just shows the various characters that you've encountered by then escaping the house. They're trying to put the flames out. Some of them are like stop, drop, and rolling because they're on fire too. And you're like, wow. So Ethan just is definitely dead. His family was just a normal family. There are no elder gods. There's no sleeper. It was all the imaginings of a child. Hmm. Interesting. Indeed. So question then because they're in a house that was able to be burned up quickly by a lantern and lanterns were in plentiful supply what time period does this take place this is definitely out in the boonies for starters okay so it almost looks like it could be rural ireland is really okay. kind of the type I mean, of know, place from it said i think it's wisconsin is where oh is it really wisconsin yeah. that's funny okay anyways um, the I landscape looks a lot like ireland but it's probably it's yeah, modern. wisconsin um, oh, okay it is modern okay yeah, i didn't modern. know if it was like one of those things where it's like an inspector in like the late 1800s or no. like 1900s kind of so thing. So Inspector Prospero is definitely modeled after like the film noir inspectors, okay. which I guess is but what Ethan not. would have based them on, but that's not the time period. Okay, okay. And, and you can tell that pretty readily because the characters all wear very modern clothes. Mm -hmm. They just seem to not have a lot of super modern tech because they clearly live in a town that is way out of the way. Okay, okay. They just don't have a lot of technology. Um, they've got like TVs and stuff, okay. I guess, but they just, you know, it's, it's clearly, just a rural town. It's a town in ruins okay. is really what it is. It's kind of like a, you know, one of those old Rust Belt cities yep. in Ohio that's like definitely on its way out. Mm -hmm. uh, and his family is real mean to him. Uh, anyways, his family sucks. They yep. were the ones that deserve to die. <laughs> and Ethan is the one who winds up dying instead. And this actually really perturbed me because... So wait, the family's not dead then? The family's not dead. It's just Ethan. Oh. Yeah. So... I was really hoping that the game wasn't going to take this turn because I feel like the whole idea of, oh, it was all made up all along, it was all imaginary, this is just your quest for acceptance of death, I feel like that makes it less interesting to me. Because that's been done a lot. It's been done a lot. Not necessarily even in horror movies. Like That's kind of the whole premise of like thirty. the show 30 yeah. Rock, is that 30 Rock like is just the imaginings of Kenneth Parcell, the page. Yes. Yeah who's been alive for like forever. <laughs> you know, like some weird like mystical... He's an elder god. Exactly. <laughs> Kenneth Page is definitely an so, elder god. you know, it's an interesting thing that they that, that would choose to go that way. Also, though, when you were describing that, end that ending, that reminded me a lot of how you described the ending to Rhyme. See, here's the difference. I still think that Rhyme did that particular genre way better because you don't get the sense that Shelby... <laughs> so uh, with Rhyme, it's more like parallel adventures. Okay. You're getting the adventure of both the father from Rhyme on his path of acceptance to the death of his son. Meanwhile, the gameplay, which is Shelby making the way, making his own way through the five stages of grief, essentially, or in my interpretation, the five stages of him accepting his own death, you still feel like that's very real. Mm. Like it feels like it's his own spiritual journey through basically the spirit world. Like it feels much more tangible in rhyme because right. you feel like, yeah, he's probably just going through various stages of air quotes, hell. It doesn't look like hell, of course, but that's clearly what is happening. And parallel to that is his father going through his adventure of accepting his son's death. It feels a lot more tangible and a lot more real in rhyme. Mm -hmm. In Vanishing of Ethan Carter, I didn't get that same level of A, emotional attachment, B, emotional satisfaction. So I 
don't think that uh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter had the kind of one-two emotional punch that uh, Rhyme had, or even that other games have done, I think, to a little bit better extent. And what I really wanted instead was for it to lean in full force to the Lovecraftian parts of its horror. With the uh, mind story, when you complete the mind story, it gives you a, basically, uh, not fake, but like an imagined scene of what Ethan's story is. And it kind of plays out, well, what if the miners had resurrected this god that they were trying to get? And it's like this underwater, like Cthulhu kind of monster with tentacles and stuff, and it's going to flood the world. And I was like, yeah. I wish, yeah, I wish they had stuck with that. I really wish that the game had ended and it had been more real. And I think it was kind of uh, a letdown to me that it wasn't more of a tangible, yeah, there's definitely something really bad happening out here. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a demon or some sort of cosmic god. Something's going up here. And that didn't happen. So that was definitely a disappointment for me, but I still enjoyed the game tremendously. Cool. Good enough. Yeah, because I, I agree. Like it's I understand the stories where it does do that and it makes sense to have it, but every once in a while you do just want that one that's just gonna fully embrace the weird. I just want it because the thing is, a lot of Lovecraft stories start in very much the same place. They focus on a small town off the beaten path, a small population that is very insular. Mm-hmm. They all share this dark secret in common. There's definitely something bad going on. You, the outsider, are coming into town. You're starting to find out what's going on, and it's real bad news. Yeah. And at the end of most of those stories your title character or whoever your protagonist in is uh, either goes insane and just like that's the end of their story they commit suicide they faint and forget the rest of what happened or it's left ambiguous you get the feeling that whatever your person witnessed or started to get an inkling of is real yeah it's never made out to be well you're probably just mistaken about it it's like no what i saw is definitely real and even if it didn't get me today it will eventually get me tomorrow and all of humanity with it. And it has that big gravity feeling to mm-hmm. it that is completely lost if you write that off right. as being imaginary. And I really wish that that hadn't happened. I wish that he had gotten to the end of the story as Inspector Prospero. I wish that he had gotten to the end of the story and either found Ethan dead or alive. I frankly don't care which one. Either one would have been yeah. just as impactful. Exactly. But I wish that he had found Ethan and that they had realized together or that he had realized on his own that the sleeper, which I had hoped was real, succeeded in getting Ethan, and now it's probably going to get out into the rest of the world. Cut. End of game. So you know that something horrible is going to happen. You're still left with that lasting horror, but you don't necessarily see it play out, which is how a lot of Lovecraft stories or Lovecraftian stories end. And I like that a lot. So it was just a big bummer that that wasn't the way it ended. Uh, it, it explained itself. You know, it explained away all of the horror. It explained away all the scares and all of the mystery. And I was just really bummed out by that. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that. Especially for as big of a fan of the Lovecraftian horror that, as you are. I can definitely understand that you wanted to, like, have that preserved. Except that books are for chumps. And you should only play them in video game form. Well, don't you listen to a podcast, too? Shh, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yes, I do. It's, it's called the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. It is excellent. 12,000 out of 10 would recommend. There you go. There you go. Indeed. But for this game, 85 for 100. 85 out of 100. You know what? 80 out of 100. 
Oh, I keep. I know. I keep waffling. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, as you more talk it out and everything, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you it's brought, it's brought it up out. fresh, fresh memories, right fresh on. feelings. You know, so I, I get it. I get Indeed. it. Indeed. So there you go. The vanishing of Ethan Carter. It's getting to the perfect time of year, as Mogan says, to be fully in, able to enjoy this game. So give it a playthrough. Now would be the perfect time to start looking for it to go on sale. Yes. Uh, typically, as Halloween approaches, especially in the PSN store and the Xbox store, it is the kind of game that you're going to see go on sale. Nice. Well, before we wrap up this episode of Team Chat Podcast, we have to go with tradition and give you our soundtrack spotlight for this week. Now, we're going to focus on the music from a game that we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Nindies Showcase, and that game is the great, the wonderful, the game everyone should play, Bastion from Supergiant Games. The soundtrack is composed by Darren Korb. He is the like the in-house composer for Supergiant. He's also done the scores for Transistor and Pyre. Excellent. All three of them are excellent, but we're going to focus on Bastion. The song this week is Mine, Windbag, Mine, and it's one of the more action sequence, action-themed uh, songs. Yeah, and packed, <laughs> action-packed songs of the soundtrack. So enjoy that after the close. But with that, that concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song. Oh, 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 oh.